0: To the point it inspired me to go harder than ever it's like the phoenix rising out the ashes you know mm, Lucky me precious what i eat ain't no roses at my feet all right guys hey how's it going uh we are back with another episode of from the ashes podcast with uh matt detroit uh, today guy got a really cool guest on so he's been around detroit for most of his life and has worked in the industry A while, um, moved around a lot. So he's got a lot of good insight from whether it's like the restaurant and bar industry or just locations that are kind of coming up in Detroit. Um, Michael Gray, thanks for being
1: on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so this one's obviously a little different. We're doing a Zoom call this time because currently uh, it's April, almost May of 2020. And coronavirus has struck. So if you know anyone's listening a hundred years in the future, this is we're kind of kind of capturing this moment right now in history, uh in Detroit and kind of seeing what's going on. So you have any initial thoughts or uh, comments how how it's been going
1: for you? Um, well I mean this is such an unprecedented time uh in such a unique set of circumstances that, you know, at first Probably like everybody else, I was very anxious, very worried. Um, I lost, I was laid off. My wife was laid off of both of her jobs. So like, you know, we were tripping out. <laughs> uh, but now it's it's been really good, to be honest. We're spending so much quality family time together. And I have a three-year-old son who has the benefit of both parents giving him a ton of attention and we're teaching and learning and you know we're having a good time now it was it was like it was pretty intimidating at first though
0: yeah i can imagine i mean it's it's obviously affected everyone and on top of um the whole world being affected and united states being really affected um detroit especially has been like at one point we were like had the third most um you know cases and we weren't you know we're not in the third most populated state in the United States. So it, it was for me very kind of scary to even do like normal things because the amount of cases around here is like like astronomically high compared to everywhere else.
1: Yeah, that that fact right there, that those statistics um, tell a lot about the underlying truth to poverty in Detroit and the correlation between poverty and health. Um, I'm not an expert on either of those two subjects, but just very generally. Uh, it you know you're just you're seeing cities that <laughs> aren't well equipped to combat the virus uh, are oftentimes the cities with the most um poverty problems,
0: yeah, that's true. And I mean, we're kind of in the middle of it. It's not like this we we see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel yet. I mean, the the number of cases has kind of plateaued, I could say, but it's not like this is going to be gone tomorrow. So it's a really strange time as we're recording this, because we don't know the future and we don't know what's going to happen exactly. There's obviously like different situations where if everyone stays at home, if things get good, we can start going back to normal. But I have a feeling that it's not going to be a very clean. Um, exit from this. I think when we do start reopening things, there's going to be a lot of regulations, a lot of different ways of going about things. It's not just going to be open-ended, especially with bars or restaurants, things like that. So I think we're going to have a lot of changes, like permanent changes that are going to last a while before they actually get back to normal. And it might be become something like a part of our lives. Hopefully not, but...
1: Yeah, I think there. I mean, naturally we evolve, right? And this is obviously a little bit more uh, interruptive (laughs) than your typical problem. Um, So we're we're seeing, and already all of these businesses that are able to maintain financial viability, they're doing so, you know, using um, like convenience. And delivery and e-commerce and fulfillment and it's just very different. And uh, you know, I think that'll be one of the biggest changes in the hospitality world is people are going to be less inclined to be in crowds, and they're going to be looking. You know, maybe they've spent time developing skills at home. Maybe they're cooking a lot. I know I right. am. Yeah. Maybe they're going to the store. Maybe they're buying a recipe kit from a really talented chef and they're bringing it home once or twice a week and they're cooking it for themselves. So maybe that's part of the evolution of some of those hospitality businesses and restaurants. I don't know, but I definitely see convenience being a a big uh, part of the future.
0: Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm always, I definitely think this whole thing is going to spark up or be like the catalyst for different trends going on. That might have uh, already started, but are really going to kind of take off. Personally, I know myself uh, right now, grocery stores are one of the most common, you know, areas for people to still gather. I used a delivery application where the groceries are delivered to my door. And that was a convenience factor right there for me. And when I was doing that, like the whole experience of it was this COVID virus going around that it caused it me to actually use the app and to to start doing this and I noticed different restaurants are still trying to maintain what they can do by pivoting and whether it's making distilleries for example or making uh, different sanitizers and whatnot some restaurants are trying are still doing to-go orders and whatnot to try and maintain some stability throughout this whole thing but yeah I I definitely agree with you about everything going on right now that it, it Probably going to spark up some changes and have some impacted uh, trends that started in this time right now, but let's kind of get into uh yourself maybe you you can say before right before getting laid off through this <laughs> tragic thing um what you were doing at um Detroit State distillery and maybe
1: a little bit how you got there Sure um, well, you know this or a little bit about my background i've uh, I've been in hospitality since. You know, I got my very first job as a dishwasher at a Coney Island when I was 14 years old. So it's been a big part of my life. Like my entire adult life has been like almost all of my financial uh, history is tied to hospitality. So after that job, of course, I didn't like stay in uh, in restaurants and bars through high school, but it paid my way through college and, you know, Post college, I got into management, worked for a bunch of different companies, moved to California, did the independent restaurant uh, management thing out there, and then I came back to Michigan. Um, what time was that? Two, what
0: time did you kind of come back at? Uh, two
1: thousand and thirteen, I think was. I'm having a hard time remember. It was twelve or thirteen, right? Right toward the end of twelve. Went to work for Union Joints, which, um, you know, some of your listeners are probably pretty familiar with, like Vincetta Garage and Union Woodshop up in Clarkson Fenton Fire Hall. They've got a bunch of irons in the fire currently, so pretty exciting time for that company. But a very progressive restaurant group that does good things and makes good food and uh, definitely creates cool environments. So that was a really amazing experience. Um, Kind of a step back, I'd been a general manager in California and kind of came back and uh, like economy was not good in Michigan at the time. So I took yeah. the first job I could get. And I you know, I had trust in my ability and my experience. So I knew I would advance. But it was not all that dissimilar from now. It's it was a little uncertain for me. The economy was not in a good place. So anyway, uh worked for Union Joints for a while. Uh got recruited to go work for a company called Peas and Carrots Hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um and they I uh, currently operate, I think, 12 different restaurants in Michigan and Illinois. Uh, but when I was hired by them, they had only uh, they only had two operating restaurants. Um, gotcha. So, explosive growth in my four years there. Um, ended up leaving as the regional manager. Uh, that was the last position I held. And, uh, opened up Shinola Hotel afterward, and that's where you and I met. Mm-hmm. Um, helped open up San Morello and Evening Bar. and the living room and the hotel F and B operations in in general. And from there I needed to find a better, more um I guess parallel to my lifestyle type of job. And that's where D C D Detroit City Distillery came in. Um also like met Michael Forsyth and JP Jerome and like those guys are so smart and cool and fun and like it felt real natural and like the right move. So ended up uh, accepting an offer as the director of operations and that's where I had been for the past eight-ish months uh, up until you know (laughs) COVID-19. Yeah all
0: this going on right? Yeah. Okay cool so yeah you obviously have a lot of background in this industry and being in Detroit obviously apart from moving to California for those years and coming back you the thing that kind of like I like about you is that, like, you have seen Detroit from a very long standpoint. Some guests or people on my list are, have moved to Detroit. Other people have been kind of out of the area, but still in Michigan. But uh, I think you have a lot of history from it. And I I wanted to a little bit talk about, we'll we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more specifically with DCD, and whether it's China and whatnot. But I want to talk about If you notice any trends, because when you came back in 2011-12, I think Detroit was just starting to get, like, its turnaround, but it was still um, at the very early stages, like its infancy. And uh, maybe you can paint the picture of how it was when you came back uh, working down here.
1: Well, um, honestly, Detroit as a city was – and still is in a lot of ways, but back then it was very immature in terms of like the hospitality world. There were a few operating restaurants with really strong histories. Roast immediately comes to mind as one of them. Um, but the dining scene was you know like there there weren't very many decent options, and frankly, the suburbs weren't traveling to the city and spending money there, so there wasn't a whole lot of entrepreneurial opportunity people weren't looking at. Detroit at that time as you know untapped potential. Maybe some were, maybe some of the forward thinkers were, but at that time it was pretty lean. Um so like you know, Vincetta Garage is an example, they opened up on Woodward. You know, uh when it comes to restaurant real estate, you want to choose high traffic areas and like the suburbs driving up Woodward, those types of places were crushing it. But downtown on Woodward. Those types of places weren't opening up. Um, fast forward a couple of years and then you've got places popping up um, like really good independent spots, a little off the beaten path, like your Seldon Standards. And then a little bit later, your Takoy and, um, you know, like those places just they succeeded because they did it really well, despite not having great locations and started drawing people down from the suburbs into the city. Um, a lot of the places that have opened though over the past, you know, three or five years aren't necessarily inclusive of the people that have lived in Detroit throughout this whole thing. Right. So it's, it's it's a tricky little, it's a tricky thing. And obviously, when we emerge from this again on the other side, I imagine the landscape's going to look different again. Um, maybe more opportunity for people to invest in some new businesses opening up, but I imagine a lot of because of the saturated market in the lack of population density, I think that there's gonna be some turnover. Uh, yeah. And it's sad. I mean, I just read a story uh, today in the New York Times. It was an opinion piece from the owner of Avalon Bakery, Avalon International. Yeah. A couple spots in downtown Detroit. And she, uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, um, but she was talking about basically like the current circumstances. And they're like, they're a big, they yeah, good information. they're like sending their product to a lot of different restaurants and hotels and they distribute into grocery stores and they sell direct and then they've got like um, their spot right on Woodward right there where you can go in and grab a salad or a coffee or whatever mm-hmm. um, but she's she's talking about like the the likelihood the possibility that she is unable to recover. And that's a, wow. it's a significant business.
0: Yeah, that's so, a very. I mean, I know a lot of people that swear by that bakery, and they they love going there, and that's like their go-to spot. And to have such a almost like a brand name to yourself, and just to to be thinking about like, yeah, this this might not last. It's kind of scary.
1: Yeah. i Well, you know, prior to this happening, we were hearing of restaurants closing. Right. We we're mm-hmm. gold. Gold closed, and You know, they didn't have a terrible location, although Corktown is not a very walkable. It's not like a very pedestrian-friendly part of town. But there's a bunch of really great businesses there. Gold Cash Gold closed, despite having really talented chefs, great food, great ambiance. They were, you know, their business model, apparently, was not sustainable enough in the saturated market of Detroit. And Mm. then, uh, you know, we're hearing... I know, I know that there's a bunch of other places that closed in recent months. Uh, now we're hearing, like, on the other side, Punchbowl Social probably isn't going to open. Avon's talking about having a hard time. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that are going to struggle. Smaller ones with the uh, higher rent, uh, especially on Woodward. That's what I'm wondering.
0: Because, I mean, like, I, I guarantee you it's it's got to be a lot to to have a place right on Woodward. So I'm just trying to think about, like, is there any – kind of um be some discounts that people get throughout for these months because even if they go out of business I, I can't imagine too many other business trying to fill that spot either i feel like it's just going to be kind of dead for a while
1: yeah it'll be tricky i i mean we've heard of the uh, bedrock family of companies um Operating under like loan forgiveness program or pardon me like um, rent deferment or I think that's the program what they were offering three or four months to businesses and you know like residential tenants they were they were offering three or four months uh, pushing the, the rent back to the backside of any lease agreements. So hopefully more building owners actually do that because frankly all these buildings or, and all these businesses that uh, are operating with no, no revenue are going to have a really hard time staying up on bills. And you know I mean I know firsthand from working with DCD the buildings that they own or they're leasing rather they don't own they, they are leasing in Eastern market and just outside of Eastern Market, they got on the super cheap and they're still worried about being able to pay the bills
0: jeez yeah i mean
1: 15 dollars a square foot as opposed to something on woodward you're paying 30 40 50 dollars a square foot depending on where
0: yeah and there's there's it seems like right now there's like no hope until we start getting people like moving again and i'm sure every situation is different and every store uh, might be able to do something some can do more than others to keep themselves afloat but It it, it seems like right now it's it's there's not a lot of travel, obviously all sports like taking a step back back in, you know, 2011, 12, uh, where there wasn't a lot of people going out downtown besides maybe the sports stuff. Um, That's kind of what people brought down there. And now we're getting to a place where we just we had a lot of things going down there just for a night out just to, you know, do a little staycation at the Shinola Hotel or something and that's not available there there's not a lot of options so overall um do you as far as businesses do you think there's going to be um any sort of change do you think this might kind of change the landscape of Detroit at all
1: um I mean I think it's inevitable I I <laughs> I don't want to take the conversation down this negative track <laughs> but Let's- it, it's it's probably going to happen where there's going to be businesses that don't make it. Um, restaurants specifically are notorious for having very slim margins. So they operate, you know, making a, a very successful um, restaurant, you know, probably profits in the 10 to 20 percent of their cost of sales. Like that's, that's the profit margin, 10 to 20%. And if you're making 20%, you're like crushing it, crushing it. The national average, I think is 7%, 7%. Um, and those, like those fixed costs, uh, they're not going away. They, you've got utilities, even though, even though they're like reduced a little bit, you have got to pay them a year. Like rent, you got to pay it. Mm Mm-hmm. The depreciation still happening. You probably, you know, restaurants operate net 30, so you've got bills from last month that you still need to pay with no revenue coming in unless you're generating uh, some type of excitement with your to-go program. It's, it's going to be tricky for a lot of places to stay open. A lot of those business models aren't built for to-go food. A place like Ema, which I love, I think their food is amazing, and Chef Mike's so talented. They'll do well because their food's set up to go, you know. But like a place like Mabel Gray in Hazel Park or uh, Prime and Proper is another example. Like, who's going to order to-go steak for ninety right. dollars?
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a huge curveball for them now to table to, to do something like that. Um, it, it's definitely a strange time, and yeah, let's shift the topic a little bit, and we can talk a little bit about. Uh, doing operations at DCD Detroit
1: City Distillery,
0: how was that? Um, well,
1: a uh, young company, uh, five years old, um, like having all kinds of pretty amazing success in a lot of different ways. So, DCD is a, a three revenue stream business, I'll start with that. They operate obviously producing spirits and. Distributing those spirits, so that's one revenue stream. Uh, the other two, they operate a bar. Um, the bar is an Eastern Market, and they open up that bar uh, first. So, like that, that bar was where the original spirits were being produced. So they worked out of this really small space, fifty-gallon copper pot still, like really, truly mom and popping it out of this tiny little, you know, like two thousand square foot building where other Distilleries have warehouses, so uh, that's like not to dive into the full history of the business. That little piece is like how they got started. So the the bar itself is the second res- revenue stream, and then the third is events. So they host uh, events at the whiskey factory on the second floor. Uh, it's a really beautiful, rustic, industrial, like blank canvas for Uh, particularly weddings but really any type of large event feels good in that space so clients would come in they you know like choose a a beverage package there's a reclaimed bar um, a big open space high top uh, like whiskey barrel tables really really cool Um, and really marketable so that was the third revenue stream and, and Pretty significant sales from each one of those three revenue streams and a ton of potential specifically for events. I think that was the area that um, the company needed the most help with and just kind of like creating standard operating procedures around both the bar and the events. And those were my specific focuses. My background has been um, building systems for companies, so peas and carrots union joints you know like that's that's what i did um so we does that mean exactly
0: like like maybe example of like a system that you would create like let's say dcd is really struggling with this i'm like how would that happen
1: well um so one of the specific things they had at the challenge that they had at the bar um was that there were no real opening and closing procedures being followed. That was kind of just loosey-goosey. Um, they, they existed, but there was no uh, structure being enforced. Um, and mostly because, like, how, what's the old cliche, like the prisoners are running, running the jailhouse or something to that effect. Basically, money was a little bit loose and didn't always match up. Um, there were a lot of comps and a lot of voids, likely a lot of theft, definitely a lot of waste. There was like produce not being rotated properly and things not being labeled properly and dated and just like simple little tweaks and changes here and there that really mm-hmm. tighten up your business and ensure that you're serving a premium product. The guest experience is premium, but on the other side, the other benefit of it is you end up like being able to maximize the labor and trim the inefficiencies and increase your profitability. So it's, it's all like all very tied together, but I guess that's like, that's a pretty good example of,
0: yeah. I mean, I I definitely got it at this point. Yeah.
1: um, In terms of events there, they had somebody running the program that was really like clients loved her, but she wasn't out there selling it. It was all like whatever was organically coming to her. She was booking it, she was establishing connections, and she was helping um, create a great experience for the clients. But uh, the great opportunity there is building more sales and kind of like making the connections, building the networks, doing more work with different corporations, hosting uh, gratis, happy hours, and just doing fun stuff, creating a little bit more activation of the space and creating sales that way.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's pretty cool Role. So obviously they were uh, there was a big need for that and you kind of fit that perfectly and uh, fitting that it seems like one thing. I didn't know there was that event space at all. I, I mean, I, I knew of it. I had no idea about the connection of it, but that's pretty cool. And the role of w- what you've been doing seems like it's very essential for like any type of business. Um, and is that similar to uh, working at Evening Bar, which is uh, maybe for some of my viewers that they've heard of it, but the, I, I hear a lot that they can never find the restaurant or the, the actual bar. <laughs>
1: um, well, I think my role there was just different in a lot of ways, first off. Uh, Noho hospitality was the operator for the food and beverage portion of the hotel. And you know, that uh, mm. Noho is like a, a pretty significant independent hospitality group based in, out of New York. And they've got a whole lot of infrastructure. So there's a director of training and there's a director of finance and a director of operations and a director of business development and a director of technology and, director of HR. So they've got this board of directors and then teams beneath them that work in all different capacities and people that travel among all the different properties and they've opened hotels before. So, so much of what they do is based on what they just last did and they're just re-implementing it and maybe finding small areas to tweak here and there that the systems weren't something that I necessarily had to bring to the table there were a couple of things here and there, like uh, creating uh, a more effective inventory system or like costing out cocktails and beverages, that type of stuff, which is relatively simple. But um, yeah, for the most part, I was there to like build culture, which is also something I have a lot of experience doing, working with young uh, hospitality groups, but like building culture, hiring, training, and, you know, just like, Making it a fun place to work, which was uh, easy in some ways and really freaking challenging in others, um, because it was such a it was such a beast, and we were so busy, and we needed so many people, and we just couldn't hire that many people. It was, there weren't enough people.
0: That's that I find that kind of interesting, like like building culture and like what that means for like a bar or restaurant. And um, is there any? Anything you you might look for or is it kind of each to its own situation or do you see trends between like successful bars and restaurants?
1: Well, I mean, uh, gosh, I think that there's a lot of different ways that I can answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think first off, it's really all about the guest experience and there's so many things that go into that specific thing. So if you've got people that are excited to come see you and then they leave excited to come see you again, then you've done your job really well in hospitality. So that's the goal right there. And to achieve that goal, I think it's best that you have like an amazing atmosphere, which obviously at Shinola hotel, that was like, yes, check. Yeah. Um, the food has to be premium. If you're a restaurant, the cocktails and the beverage program should be premium. Um, but really it, tends to come down to the people at the core of the business. Um, Those, those like really talented line cooks and those really uh, charismatic bartenders and servers. And if you've got those people that um, make it fun for the, the guest, make it fun for their teammates and, you know, people feel good about it. That's the organic culture that you want to build. So it's really about hiring and training properly really that's 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 how you build good culture but that's also how you just build a successful uh, hospitality based business no matter where like uh you've been to places that do it really well right And you can mm-hmm. identify i think we talked about the baldwins in the past Yep, they create create great culture and great best experiences and they're successful because of that and you're like how do they do that and then you sit down and talk with them like oh I think I understand a little bit, you know, I I get why you're successful doing this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: definitely a vibe where you can go into a place and see if it's, even if it's a slow night or something, you can just tell that this place is somewhere I want to come back to. It's kind of welcoming. It's a good environment. And, um, it's always a nice surprise when I go to somewhere new and I feel that because me personally, that's what I like doing. I like checking out new restaurants, new bars, kind of knowing what's, what's coming up in the Detroit scene and uh, just kind of feeling it out. And whenever there's a good place, I love to like mark it on my list as some places I want to come back to. Um, Do you have any like favorites that you go to or like maybe someone listening right now is just moving to Detroit and uh, they're trying to build up a list of like nice places to check out or some like low key spots. I know that's like a very broad question for a whole metropolis, but
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna definitely miss a few amazing spots that everyone should visit, but I'll just start with my favorites. Like e-, e I mentioned earlier, Chef Mike, Mike Ransom, their food is so good, so good, and they've got three locations. There's the Corktown location, Midtown, and then uh, up in Madison Heights. And they've got slightly different menus at each spot, so a little wrinkle at each each location. Food is so good. Um, Young Village in New Center. Chef Godwin is like one of the best guys on the planet and the food is really good. So if you like spicy Afro-Caribbean, that's definitely uh, high up on my recommendations. Uh, my wife also absolutely loves the jerk chicken. So we get that regularly. Um, the Kiesling for bars. Kiesling is really cool. It's very small and intimate. Um, the decor is really uh, like it's, modern art deco Uh, it just feels good in there it's dark it's sexy um evening bar is really cool in its own way uh tough to get into very small with anything uh popular in the restaurant and bar scene it's always nice to suggest if you want to check it out and see what it's like and you don't want to wait three hours don't go on a friday or saturday (laughs) night. try to sneak in there on a thursday or tuesday or whatever um uh bad luck bar is a really cool experience although also like really pricey and uh, kind of tough to get into uh if you're looking for like dive year places i love um these aren't necessarily dives but motor city wine is like a great retail wine store and at the club uh like they've just got a club feel to it but cheesy Uh, The music is so good. Uh, Sometimes jazz, a lot of times house, uh, but they represent really well. Um, Temple Bar, always been one of my favorites. Uh, Music is always on point there. Uh, Probably the coolest gay dive bar that I've ever been to out of maybe five. (laughs) Uh, What else? I love San Morello, too, like dining-wise. I think that food is outstanding. Chef Corey is so good. What about you? What's your What's your number one spot? Honestly,
0: um, obviously going for a different vibe each time, but uh, I I do like the beer garden that that there is at the Breakman. Uh, Mm -hmm. If if I'm going out with friends and whatnot, it's always usually end up having one one person that like lives nearby and will um, always meet up there and have like a pregame or whatnot, and then we might um split it up into some groups or whatnot, but I i do like Gold Cash Gold before it closed and evening bar. Those were a couple of my spots. Uh I did like Candy yeah. Bar. Uh that was obviously a even smaller venue. So not a lot going on over there. And then as far as food, there there was always a couple spots. I liked the uh, hot taco, which is a little bit uh further up than directly downtown. But uh that was always one of my go-to spots, and um, I, I I like Easter Market, too. I like when there's events going on over there. Um, weekends are usually a lot of different stuff going on, and whether it's the Farmer's Market or there's the Red Bull House of Bar that I used to go to a lot when they, they'd ever throw events. Uh, yeah, so those are, like, a couple of my spots that I like personally. And I'm always kind of, like, looking for the – next new new
1: one yeah I think uh like I know Oak and Real is supposed to open up sometime soon I'm looking forward to that um I, I'm Layla is a good new restaurant that I did not mention also Magnet Tokoy, Chef mm-hmm. Brad is really really talented um Mero, so many good places like it's I feel bad not mentioning not running off a list of 30 because they all deserve that attention. But I just thought I'd give you a couple of my faves.
0: Yeah, I think the cool thing about like the whole scene right now is that it's all like not necessarily walking distance. But if you go to, let's say, Corktown, there's enough places to where you can bar hop. Or if you're downtown and going from one bar to the other and like you go through the belt, for example, and then there's, you know, more restaurants right in there bars. It's finally I've traveled to a lot of different cities and whatnot, and I'm starting to get this vibe that I can like actually be downtown and and check out a lot of cool places obviously Greek town that's been there for a while um but there's there's more than just that now, which is really cool to see um it, it, in like have you ever met any cool people or have any crazy stories as you've uh worked down there recently and been uh seeing the the kind of revitalization uh obviously still a lot more to come but i think we've definitely brought in some uh people and whatnot
1: yeah i mean uh, at shinola particularly because you know that is the premium hotel destination in the city now Mm. uh that's that's where a lot of the touring uh, musicians would stay actors actresses like that's you know sports stars so uh you know, just in the last couple of years, I've run into Jennifer Lopez, Justin Timberlake, Woody Harrelson. I mean I, I
0: think you know, I was grateful that night with with Woody.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like he stayed in the hotel and he was in evening bar just posted up chilling one night. Saw Anderson Cooper and Charles Barkley dining together in San morello one night when I was working the floor. Isaiah Thomas. Granted, he's a Detroit uh, Mm -hmm, Pistons star, but just so cool to have that much exposure. And downtown has definitely become more of a magnet for people, Um, you know, celebrities or whomever. I mean, it doesn't matter; everybody's coming into downtown now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that too. It's still get the you know because I have friends outside of the Michigan, and they always kind of every once in a while ask like, "What's going on with Detroit? What's the scene like?" and it's hard to describe but uh, or or try to beat that whole persona of what it was like ten years ago but now it's it's there's a lot of interest in it, and there's a lot of people coming down here for different reasons and moving here from outside of the city i've I think I've already met two or three people that work at uh Quicken Loans and another company, but have tried to find a job in Detroit because they wanted to move here it's I get this feeling that's almost like how Brooklyn was and like how it still is. Like people are kind of moving there. People are moving here for that kind of new experience, that revitalization going on.
1: Um, yeah, there, there's an appeal. Why not? It's cool. It's lively. It's fun. Uh, now the, I mean, people feel safe again, which should have always been the case, but you know,
0: <laughs> that's a big thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is there, um, um,
0: what, what about, uh, cause this, this is just a random question, but I feel like Detroit has a big, like art artistic vibe to it right now and I have this like theory that like art kind of drives interest and have have you experienced that like over the years at all
1: well I mean Detroit has like a really cool art district and museum district but beyond that like the smaller um, the smaller galleries are really cool in Detroit you've got mocaD you've got uh, Library Street Collective um, you got a tangent like just a bunch of different cool places to come visit and see like red bull house of art even though that is not necessarily in the same category or quality of the previous (laughs) group Mm -hmm. but like there's just a bunch of cool things to see and music is a big part of that i think detroit is respected around the world as the the home of techno uh Mm -hmm. you've got like Motown and R&B and tons of jazz and soul and funk and rap and rock you've got a little bit of everything here tons and tons of musical talent and a ton of like really talented entrepreneurs who are taking a chance and opening up businesses and definitely changing the way uh, Detroit is viewed throughout the world it's cool
0: yeah it is pretty cool um I guess uh now we we see like what Detroit's becoming right now and this whole kind of pause we have with the COVID thing. Are there any uh, future plans for you and what you want to be doing and whether it's like staying in the city or.
1: Well, I mean, I, uh, my family and I, we, we, we own a house in Ferndale just across eight miles. So we're, you know, we're not trying to, not trying to move anytime soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's certainly not an opportune time to even think about it, but, in terms of my next spot, I mean, I'm, I'm still hopeful. I really was enjoying my time at DCD and there's a lot of growth ahead of that particular business. And I'd like to be a part of that. So mm-hmm. I think that's option one. Um, but you know, if the realist in me is looking at, I might be too expensive for them to bring back that I'm not necessarily like my position is probably a luxury. Um, yeah. Not that I couldn't bring value in a lot of different other ways, but I'd have to do a lot to uh, justify the dent I would make on their payroll. But I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of companies that are young and growing. I've done some consultation work. Um, So, you know, maybe I uh, freestyle for a little bit, um, but more, more than likely... I'm itching to work. I'm like, I'm yeah. offering people my services for free just to like improve their websites or <laughs> anything that I can do remotely. I don't know. I would like to be in the city. I would like to work for a hospitality group that's progressive and something that I can be really proud of. And I want to be in a position where I can um, contribute really positively to a growing uh, company. So hopefully, I can link up with uh, you know a, a like-minded set of young entrepreneurs and keep it moving,
0: yeah, exactly. well, hopefully that happens on this whole thing is not gonna last too long i I do see a lot of hope and I see a lot of people starting to adapt to it and start performing again, whether it's in different bars and restaurants and doing uh making their way to start opening in a way where it's safe and still operating um so yeah, that's um that'd be very cool, and on top of that, I think. If people ever want to see you around, want to ask questions, you've been in the area. It, are there places you, uh people might be able to get access to you or to kind of, you know, maybe not exactly right now, but see you around in the city where they can catch you?
1: Well, I mean, a, a lot of that will depend on where where I'm uh, employed in the future. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> I think that, but. One, a, a few places for sure that I will definitely be, uh, Ima. I, I like will not <laughs> be able to cut them out of my future. Definitely Yum Village too. Yeah, in terms of just like hanging out socially, every once in a while I swing through Temple or Motor City Wine. Those are like, I love going to see Peter Croce or Train or Blair French or Norm Talley or, you know, like some good music. So like that that's probably the most likely spots that you'll run into me socially. Okay.
0: Cool awesome and if uh, anyone's watching this right now and they want to connect with you, where could they find you at
1: um, well i'm on uh, I'm on Facebook Michael Gray <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram also uh, I think my Instagram handle is like underscore Michael underscore gray so pretty straightforward shouldn't be too difficult um, yeah that's I, I don't get crazy on the socials. Gotcha.
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I enjoyed this conversation that we had and had a lot of insight and kind of perspective of the bar and restaurant scene in Detroit, kind of the circle right now, 2020, weird time to have a podcast and with all this going on, but also a little bit of the uh, past of Detroit. And I think it'll be interesting to have a conversation in the future after this whole thing is passed and see how Detroit keeps adapting.
1: Yeah, let's do it again. Hopefully we'll have a lot more positives to talk about.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Michael, for being here.
1: All right, brother. Thank you.
0: Take care.